live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hey, great good afternoon. How are you? Wherever you are, thanks so much for dialing us up or tuning us in. It's a Tuesday. It's March 29th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, in the Master Control Suite. In the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let me just clarify and clear up one thing. Yesterday was one of those uh, one of those days where right before the show was to begin, uh, my computer crashed. And being techno non-savvy that I am, it was just an absolute nightmare. So thank you to Raymond Parsh, RP3, for jumping in as quickly as he did to uh, carry you through those two hours. Um, My computer is still um, in the fritz, getting worked on. I was told it is savable, and I will have it ready to go tomorrow. So today, I uh, made the journey into the great village of Lafayette here in uh, Karen Crow, and I am in studio and thrilled to be here. Every time I look around, there's new things here. It's growing. It's building. It's getting better and better and better. Uh, So uh, we are here, and we're here for the next two hours, and uh, away we go. Our guest list, uh, Adam Spencer, will talk Final Four as uh, New Orleans is about to put their best foot forward and show how you're supposed to be a host for a big-time event. And I have every, every, every belief that uh, it will go off in uh, great fashion. Uh, Chris Reed will join us, former LSU baseball Tiger. The Tigers take on UL Monroe tonight. Not so much about the opponent, but the fact that LSU made some changes after their Friday night loss to the Florida Gators. Uh, And those changes, uh, man, did they come through in flying colors. Defense was much better, and LSU started to swing the bat. And you talk about a contagious environment. I mean, the long ball was, was... Apparent, evident, and in full force. So we'll talk with Chris Reed about that. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us in hour number two. Uh, Yes, things happening along the way with the New Orleans Saints. Andy Dalton signed to a one-year deal, uh, $6 million with $3 million guaranteed. He's going to be the backup to Jameis Winston. Ian Book will uh, be in the tertiary role. And we'll see what that means uh, in that front. Mickey Loomis said they're looking to at all avenues to improve the wide receiver room. He says there is work to do, you think? Yeah, there's a lot of work to do in that front. So we'll talk all things Saints football with uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. So, I know, by the way, they must be listening to this show, James Mesh. They must be because um, – 
Dennis Allen said, we're, we're going to focus Taysom Hill on one position, and it's not the quarterback position. They're going to focus Taysom Hill to be a tight end. How long have we been saying that? So they must be listening because it just made, James, it just made too much common sense. Just did. I can't hear you. But anyway, once again, I tried to throw a bone to my boy and the microphone is out. But anyway, it just makes perfect sense. I think he'll be terrific. You didn't, he doesn't need to put on 20, 25 pounds. No, no. Be different. Be unique. Be hybrid. Be a mismatch problem. You don't have to hold a block that long. Not with Alvin Kamara back there. All you got to do is hold it for a second and boom, he's gone. So um, I like that. I like the move and we'll see how it all, all unfolds. So um, there you go. So we got a busy day planned for you and for yours. We're brought to you each and every Tuesday by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana, and their mission statement is very, very simple. They just want you to come in, shop around, get what you want at a great price, and leave with a smile on your face. Plain and simple. Uh, spacious stores packed with Louisiana products. Their restrooms are clean and organized and functional, and they always have food. It's always fresh, and it's always available. Uh, So whether you need uh, some wine and spirits, a snack, or just maybe a little old pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets is your place to be. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, I don't know what to tell you. I just don't know if you can shop right at all. So the Saints trying to make sure that they have experience in the quarterback room. I like the Andy Dalton signing. He's not a starter, but here's a guy that's won games. He is a veteran quarterback. He's good in the locker room. Why not? Now, does this does this tell the tale that there's not going to be a quarterback drafted this year? I'm not so sure. Not so sure about that. Does this guarantee that Saints are going to go for a wide receiver with the first pick uh, they have, number 18 overall in the first round? I'm not so sure about that. Could it be an offensive tackle? It, it might. I think the Saints are keeping all their options available. Uh, they know that what they have to address and how they have to address it. So we we shall see um, along the lines. But the draft is upcoming, and we'll see how the Saints uh, deal with it and handle it. But options are available. Options are available. Uh, LSU baseball again tonight. You can listen to that ball game uh, right here as the Tigers return to Alec Box Stadium, welcoming the Warhawks of ULM. It's another midweek contest. First pick set for 6.30. You can listen to all the action right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tigers made changes. They um, shuffled up their their lineup a little bit. Um, They made some changes in the infield. Took a shortstop, put him at second, put it second baseman, put him at shortstop. The fielding got much better, but make no mistake about it. The hitting came alive. The hitting came alive. And when you hit like LSU hit, 
It covers up a myriad of flaws, a myriad of them. And uh, that that's simple. That's simple. So after that uh, loss Friday, LSU came back and came back in uh, in great fashion. Huge pitching for performances um, that will bode LSU well down the road. So there you go. Uh, meanwhile, LSU basketball, some more news on that front. Sharif O'Neal has joined several others um, and has entered into the transfer portal. I see Sharif every day. Um, lives near me. And poor kid got had the heart problem when he was at UCLA. He left, set out a year, comes to LSU, gets hurt again. Um, just never, ever, ever available. Um, and so he's opted to uh, enter the portal. Doesn't mean he can't come back. And oh, by the way, uh, seven Murray State players have entered the transfer portal. I wonder how many of those are coming to Tigertown. I wonder. For a quick fix, um, that might be the answer. Might be the way to go. So, so we shall see. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. When we come back, it's all blue in NOLA. It's an all blue Final Four. The Tar Heels and the Dukies will meet in one national semifinal. Nova and Kansas in the other. Oh, the Blue Bloods are out. And the Blue Unis are out as well. We'll be back. Hour number one rolling here. The Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We're also in Acadiana. You can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. I hate, I hate computers. We're so reliable and dependent upon them. And when they go down, it just messes up my day. But we're here, and we're glad. We'll be right back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You want to see some of the most elite dunkers and exceptional ball handlers on the planet, the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters are returning to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April 5th. You can see them live. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving away a four-pack of tickets for the family-friendly show. How do you win? Simply text Trotter to 68683 to win tickets to see the Globetrotters. Once again, text Trotter to 68683 to win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters live at the Cajun Dome, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I used to love to go watch the Globetrotters when I was a kid. Uh, I wonder if Adam Spencer from Saturday, Saturday Down South had the same feelings. Adam, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Jordy? Terrific. You, you, you ever go watch the Globetrotters as a kid? Oh yeah, I've been a couple times uh, in my hometown. They uh, they would come by um, every couple of years or so. So I went when I was like ten and twelve, and it was, it was a good time. It's I always the, fun. Oh, yeah, those poor... red, white, and blue basketballs. Too, yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, we had an NBA team, an ABA team in New Orleans, the New Orleans Buccaneers, and I wanted that red, white, and blue ball so badly, and I got it for Christmas. 
uh, problem was we had an outdoor court, no concrete. It was just mud and grass, and I just bounced that thing to death uh, till the till the grass was gone, and that red, white, and blue was history. But anyway, fun times. You you excited about the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, there's plenty of storylines there. Just uh, one thing that bums me out is that Justin Moore got got hurt. Oh, I know. It, it it's that's brutal. You don't want to see that it, for any team at any point in the season, but yeah. especially with a Final Four on the line. And uh, you know, I would I feel a lot better about Villanova's chances with him there because he's like the second leading scorer, the second leading yeah. assist man, the second best three point shooter. Like he he does a lot for that team, and that's just that uh, it's just brutal for that to happen at this point in the year. But uh, you know, you got the name brands there. You got the Duke, the North Carolina, the Kansas, the Villanova. So. Uh, the first time ever that all four teams in the Final Four have at least three national championships. So, uh, you right. know, will somebody get a fourth, or will uh, UNC get a seventh, or will Coach K get a sixth? There's a there's a lot to, there's a lot going on in New Orleans, that's for sure. And no question about that. I wonder how Hubert Davis feels. He's like, man, this is his rookie year. All the other ones, all the other coaches have multiple national championships hanging up on their uh, on their trophy shelf. I wonder how he's feeling. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. I mean, you know, there's a, after that near collapse against Baylor, there was a lot of question marks about his coaching style, but I think he answered those questions pretty uh, emphatically by uh, getting past the Sweet 16 and into the Final Four. So uh, he he's still going to face the que- the questions about, you know, people chirping that these are Roy's players, and they are Roy's players. Um, but this Final Four run, he's – coach them to that and recruits are going to see that transfers are going to see that so yeah. you know this is going to impact his future and the quality of transfers and the quality of freshmen that he can bring into north carolina because he can be like hey guys look i'm one for one on final fours and uh, that's something not many coaches can say i'm really really surprised that they did the bracket the way they did and thinking well the possibilities you never know but what about Duke, North Carolina playing for a championship. Coach K's last game, the biggest rivalry in college. That would have been just, uh, I mean, a, a movie script that would, I mean, it's just been too much. Yeah, I think you'd throw that movie script out and say it's, uh, it's, too, it's too unrealistic. But, you know, here we are. I think, uh, I think North Carolina, you know, maybe if, uh, if North Carolina was right there all season looking like a one seed, then they probably could would have even if they were like a two or a three seed they probably would have put them on the opposite side of the bracket from duke but uh you know when you when you're an eight seed and uh you know your position in the tournament was tenuous up until they beat duke in coach k's final game at cameron you know that they weren't guaranteed to get into the tournament so i I think they were a bit of an afterthought there and uh now they're showing hey you know we should have been given more respect here and uh and now they're in the final four but i mean to even have it in the final four for the first time duke north carolina and ncaa tournament i mean that that's incredible in in and of its own right i'm with you adam spencer saturday down south um boy i just don't like kansas I, that's just me i just something about them but just, i know you don't like them because you're a mizzou dude uh but i guess we don't give bill self enough credit it's like here they are again yeah, I, I think I think you know I, I grew up rooting for Bill Self. You know, he was uh, he was an Illinois coach for right. a long time before he headed over to Kansas. So, but yeah, yeah, I mean, 
I knew I liked you, Jordy. I'm glad that you don't like Kansas. <laughs> I don't either, like so him at all. I just don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, so uh, so we can agree on that for sure. Uh, you know, I've been picking against Kansas all year. I thought Miami was going to get him. I predicted Miami to go to the Final Four mm-hmm. the, uh, when I did my Sweet 16 redraft or rebracketing. Um, and I thought that they had him in that in that first half, but then uh, Kansas turned on the Jets, and uh, you know now now they get a bit of a break. You know they can't take Villanova lightly still, but uh, but without Justin Moore, I mean that's a much more difficult game for the Wildcats. So you know it looks like barring a barring some sort of miracle from Villanova, it looks like Kansas is going to advance to the national championship. So. We'll see who's waiting for them uh, there, and uh, hope, hopefully whoever gets there beats them. <laughs> oh, God. Um, you know, Nova, d- despite the fact they lost who they lost, they're going to play the same way. They're, they're not going to beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them. That's one of the best coach teams. Uh, uh, so fundamentally sound. They play defense. They block out and rebound. I mean, Jay Wright's a hell of a coach. There's no question. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that that matchup in the Elite Eight with Kevin Sampson in Houston, that was a great yeah. coaching matchup. And, yeah. you know, it just seems like Jay Wright was like, hey, you know, there's all this buzz about Kelvin Sampson. Like, hey, if you're starting a program, why wouldn't you pick Kelvin Sampson? And it's like, well, the answer is because Jay Wright exists. Right. And Jay Wright knows what he's doing, too. And uh, he's got the two national championships to his name. Um, so, you know, I think Jay Wright gets overlooked a lot in these uh, best coaches currently coaching. And, uh, I think he has a real chance to take over the mantle of best current coach when uh, when Coach K retires yeah. after this year. So I, I really like when I hear people praise Jay Wright because he's done a great job making Villanova a, a legitimate blue blood program. Yeah, and I think he'd be a coach that would transition to the NBA. He's I know he's been asked and courted many times, but I'm glad he stayed in college. But I think his style and mannerisms work in the NBA as well. Uh, Adam Spencer, Saturday, down south with us. Who's the best player in, in college basketball? Who would you take number one in the draft? Would you take the kid from Duke? Would you take the the big freshman from Gonzaga? Who would you take? I, I'm still sticking with Jabari Smith. I mean, okay. when you have a guy like that who has that sort of shooting profile and that sort of uh, calmness under pressure, mm-hmm. He, he compares to Kevin Durant, and like if you have a guy that compares to Kevin Durant, you, you take have him. to take a shot at him. I'm with you at number one. Yeah. <laughs> you, just, you just have to. Like he's a guy who could score thirty a night in the NBA tomorrow. Uh, he's that good. He's got that pro ready of a mid range game. He needs to hit uh, the three at a higher clip. But some of these, like some of these threes that he was attempting in college, he had two defenders on him and was still hitting the threes. You, you can't double-team a guy at the three-point arc that often in the NBA, so yeah. he's, he's going to get some more open looks, and I think he's going to, like, do you think the Trailblazers regret not taking a chance on Kevin Durant yeah. back in the, that draft? Yeah. Well, the Trailblazers the Trailblazers are notorious, notorious, because they drafted Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan, and then they did this one as well, so, I mean, you talk about a city that's like, are you kidding me? What are we doing? But anyway, uh, I'm with you. I I like Jabari Smith better than Paolo Banquero. I do. I just like his body. I think it's more NBA uh, styled. I I just like his game an awful, awful lot. Um, so I'm with you on that. Jabari Smith would be my uh, number one pick uh, as well. Um, Adam, I know it's 
early, and I know there's a, you know been a plethora of coaching changes in the league, and and the you know you got recruits coming in, you got the transfer portal, but if you had to handicap right now, who's the best team in the SEC for next season in college basketball? Who would you take? It's going to be hard to pick against Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. You, you just pick against uh, Coach Muss at your own peril because he's been the last SEC team standing two tournaments in a row now, back-to-back Elite Eight trips. I mean, they just added another five-star to their already elite 2022 wow. recruiting class. Um, they're going to get Jalen Williams back most likely. I would bet Jalen Williams declares for the draft but maintains his eligibility because that's what NBA teams are saying about him. Um, and then comes back for another year, that would be my guess. I would think J.D. Note leaves. Um uh, but, you know, he might. He still has a year of eligibility if he wants it, so he could theoretically be back, too. Uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think that, uh, that Musselman has a lot of talent coming in. It's just going to be um, a little different than normal because he's not usually coaching this many freshmen. You know, normally he brings in these transfers, even going back to his Nevada days. Right. Uh, so we'll see how he, how he works with these uh, five-star guys, but... Uh, the future is bright in Arkansas. It's really bright. And, uh, you know, right now I'd say you have to give them the nod. And then, uh, you know, we'll wait and see because I think Bruce Pearl will bring in some impact transfer players. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what's, what's going on with the portal. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I'd watch out for Auburn. I think Nate Oates probably learned a lot about the type of player that he wants moving forward this year. He's going to prioritize consistency on defense and, right. uh, you know, they were a, they, they were a huge disappointment this year, Alabama. Yeah, and I think that uh, you know he's he's I think he's learned a lot from it because to pull off some of those upsets with the players that he had and the consistency issues that they had. I mean, I, I would watch out for Alabama. They have a really good recruiting class coming in too. I think it's number three overall in the nation, uh, behind one step behind Arkansas and two steps behind Duke. So uh, watch out for Alabama too. I'd say. All right, Adam Spencer, Saturday Down South, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go on this one. Does this become the ultimate um, last dance uh, story, and does Duke cut down the nets in New Orleans, or who do you got winning the whole thing? I think it's hard to pick against Duke right now. Um, you know, that, that ACC rivalry game will be intense as always, yeah. but you know, I, I thought if Duke was going to lose, it was going to lose in the second round or the Sweet 16 just because Texas Tech was a bad matchup. Right. And just having the pressure of Coach K's last stand on those guys, you know, Bancaro has really risen to the occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, A.J. Griffin's been great. Jimmy Roach has been That, that guard has been – he's been terrific. That Roach has been yeah. terrific. I, I think the I think he's the different. They got somebody on every line. They've got Roach, they got Bancaro, and then they got the big tall guy that blocks shots. Uh, Williams is that his name? Yeah, Mark Williams. Yeah, I, I think I, I I don't know how you beat Duke. I really don't. Yeah, I think that they're going to cut it down and uh, and send Coach K out with a storybook ending. Huh? That would be uh, that would be quite the story. Adam Spencer, Saturday down south. Thank you, my friend. I greatly appreciate your time. And Rock Chalk Jayhawk, hell no. Hell no. No. <laughs> okay, that's right. Let's uh, get him out of the tournament. I hate him.
I just don't like them. All right, buddy. Enjoy the uh, final four in my hometown. And we appreciate your time. We'll take a time out here. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When we return, we'll talk LSU baseball. Chris Reed with his expert analysis. Has LSU turned the corner? It was looking bleak. And then all of a sudden, Saturday and Sunday in Gainesville, boom, 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 ball out the yard. We'll talk all about it next. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul go. Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back after going 2-2 two and two last week with a 12-inning loss to Louisiana Tech. Uh, a Friday night opening loss to the Gators of Florida in Gainesville. LSU rallied on Saturday and Sunday to split the series. They are now 12th. In the USA Today coaches poll, 13th in D1 baseball, 15th in perfect game, 17th in collegiate baseball, and 21st in baseball America. I've never seen a sport with more polls than college baseball. It is ridiculous. Can we just get get one poll and be unanimous? Anyway, let's talk about the Tigers as they get ready to um, play again tonight against UL Monroe. The Warhawks come to Alec Box Stadium and Skip Bertman Field, 6.30 picks. You can listen to it right here on 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Chris Reed, former LSU do-it-all Tiger, back in the day, kind enough to join us yet again. Chris, good afternoon, man. How you been? Good afternoon. Doing well. Uh, all right. So tell me, what do you think happened after that Friday night loss in Gainesville? You've been in locker rooms before. Now you got to come back and you're facing an abyss, and all of a sudden the bats come alive and LSU plays great baseball Saturday and Sunday. Take me to the locker room. What do you think transpired there? Well, you would hope uh, that after the Friday night game, uh, the players probably got together, uh, probably held a team meeting of some sort, and really kind of talked through it, kind of get, trying to figure out what the mentality and the vibe is of the locker room itself mm-hmm. and see about where they could go from there and what they could do to put themselves in a better position uh, to succeed in the following days. Uh, a lineup change. Not the, the players stayed in the lineup, but they just changed positions. Jordan Thompson was at short. They moved him to second. Kay Doty was at second. They moved him to short. Uh, and uh, the defensive play picked up considerably. Talk about how that little subtle change can make a difference to each individual player. Yeah, well, with with uh, Thompson in specific, any time that you are having a infielder um, having fielding issues, um, you tend to want to move them to second base. Uh, it's going to soften their hands up also going to give them a kind of a peace of mind that they don't have to speed the game up okay um just just because when you're at second there's a lot more time between the time you field the ball and the time that you have to throw it gotcha when you're when you're at shorter third the game is sped up a little bit more 
because it is a longer throw. The ball does take a little longer to get to you, things of that nature. Um, so you do you do want to move whoever it may be um, the second to kind of soften the hands up. And I think that's kind of a little, a little bit of what you saw for Thompson. He did pretty well um, anchoring down second. Mm-hmm. And I know Doty was kind of, I guess, a refreshing um, player at shortstop for all of uh, Tiger Nation in terms of uh, anchoring down yeah. short. Yeah. And, and you know, baseball is not rocket science, rocket science in the fact that if you can pitch and you can get ground balls and you can field uh, and you can throw and – you know, you're going to be in most of your games yeah. that you play. Mm-hmm. Um, and with our offense, if they do those two other things, they're going to be in a lot of a lot of games and in, in really good positions to win those games. Just so. moving those two as a result, LSU committed just one error in the last two games. So um, there you go. Um, I, I'm going to read you a quote, and I want you to kind of explain to me what, what do you think it means. Um Coach Johnson said, I think there's stuff that should stay within the team. I said it before. We played one game. There was a lot There was a lot of growing that needed to take place. There's growing that needs to take place still, but I think some of that happened over the weekend. How it happened, I want to keep that within the team. What do you think uh, he means by that? And, and kind of give me the, um, the Abriggs version of that. Yeah, it, it, it more than likely – uh, whenever I was there, if, if if that was said to the media or if that was expressed to people around uh, the program, it more than likely had to do with Coach Johnson having a uh, a, a meeting, a team meeting mm-hmm. after the game um, or prior to Saturday's game, um, and kind of and just really setting a a, a standard. Um, for the team and what is he, what is he is expecting of them and out of them. Gotcha. Uh, a lot, a lot of the times, you know, during the season, with the season being so long, mm-hmm. uh, you can kind of get in some some lulls and and where you kind of get out of the whole. Uh, with every game matters, every you know this that and the other type stuff, uh, and sometimes you're going to have to, as a coach and even as a as a player, you got to get fired up and kind of reignite that flame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these are college kids, right? I mean, they're 18 to 22-year-olds. They're not professionals. They're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have a lot of stuff on their plate with school and traveling. Right. And, uh, friends and family and this and that and the other. So uh, they have a lot of stuff on their plate that can pull a lot of energy out of them. Uh, and so sometimes you just kind of you have to get reorganized. You have to light that fire back under their butt and get them all moving in the right direction as, as a unit and not playing individually. And so uh, I think that's more than likely what happened. Um, I heard some rumblings about there was a team meeting or whatnot, but I you know haven't verified any of that. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that's usually what happened. I'm sure there was a team meeting and like, come on guys, what, what do we do? But at least, at least the bats, uh, opened up, uh, and on the series, LSU outscored Florida 29 to 13. They out hit them 29 to 17, 14 extra base hits in three games, including six doubles and eight home runs. I, I, I guess the air was right or something, but man, they started to hit the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, they, uh, I tell you what, they did a, a fantastic job of keeping their front side closed um, until the right time, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday and Sunday. That was one of the biggest things that I saw. Um, I, you know, I was uh, in New Orleans this weekend, but I still paid attention. Right. And was, and was getting a lot of questions um, about the game from uh, people that I, were, I was around. Yeah. And hitting-wise, that's the biggest thing that I saw. I saw them being patient with their front half of their body and allowing the ball to travel instead of being so anxious, um, hmm. so anxious to go get it and to pull it and to things like that. Uh, one of the things I do like to kind of watch for is where their back arm is extending to. That's something that I, more in depth that I look look at, and that kind of shows where the direction of their extension is going, and that can kind of be a, a nice little indicator on how well we're uh, swinging the bats. And, I, you know, I, I think back to two, two players, or actually three, uh, Gio Dugas and Joe Bear, that, yeah. um, that I saw a lot of great direction, um, hand direction and arm direction um, with all three of those guys. And, you know, obviously it showed in the – in the stat book for all three of them. Yeah, Joe Bear was unbelievable. He uh, batted four forty four in two games against Florida. Three homers, five runs scored, and nine RBI. So to your point, he was he was uh, spectacular as the DH. But here's another stat that uh, amazes. I've never heard of this before. LSU had eight hit batsmen on Sunday. 13 hit batsmen over the span of the three-game series. Is that something that is taught, or is that just facing a team that can't throw the ball over the plate? What is the deal with hit batsmen? Well, I mean, I tell you, it it's not taught in the fact that I don't think we are a team that gets extremely on top of the plate. Um, I think it had to do with a little bit of the fact that our hitters were rattling uh, they're pitchers, okay. but Jordy, I tell you what, I, I haven't, I haven't seen eight in a weekend, and or in, in, I haven't seen definitely in that last game um, when we kind of got a little chippy there, uh, and then they hit a guy right after. I'm still trying to figure out how that guy didn't get tossed, right, uh, for Florida, right. Uh, that, I mean, when you get warned, any anything that is that even resembles retaliation. Uh, warrants tossing and and they I think they they hit five more guys after that after that home run and they didn't do anything about it so that kind of fired me up but I tell you what I did love to see uh the fire in some of those guys and in the dugout um that was a that was a refreshing uh thing to see yeah um LSU's a Number two ranked team in the NCAA and hit batsman. I don't know if that's a stat you like as a player. I don't think I'd like that, Chris. I don't want to get hit. I'd rather hit the ball rather than the ball hit me. But that's another story for another day. All right. So, um, what, what do you? I mean, you want to win tonight um, against UL Monroe, and you should. They're eighteen, thirteen, and one. They started the season one and ten, uh, but have been playing better of late. But still, I mean. They've met three times in the past 10 years, these two teams, and LSU has won all all of them. So um, Will Helmers has been your starter midweek, the past three midweek games, but he's not now. Devin Fontenot gets the start. Is that a message being sent, or what What do you think the, the coaching staff is doing by starting Fontenot tonight? 
You could. Uh, you could look at it a couple different ways. Um, you could look at it as giving Devin a chance to show if he, uh, it, you know, potentially can move into a starting role uh, on the weekend. Uh, you're looking at you could look at it as uh, the coaching staff and the team showing how important it is to keep this mo- positive momentum going. Uh, and, and if I had to choose, it, it's probably the second one. Okay. Um, I, I don't necessarily know how much he threw this weekend. So it, it, the, the, the last way you could look at it is just getting in, getting him some in some work. Yeah. He may yeah. go three or four innings or whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, pitchers are very, very interesting and weird characters. And <laughs> they, they more than anyone else, um, are, are have their habits and, and the way that they work, and if you screw up even you know one small thing, uh, it's like the whole world's falling right, apart. Right, right. Um, so you want to make Divas. sure that they are still getting their their innings and their reps in um, when they can. Who's more divas, pitchers or like field goal kickers and punters, or are they? You think they're equal? <laughs> Uh, well, luckily, I I punted and uh, kicked field goals in high school, uh, and I knew most of them. And at LSU, whenever I was attending there, and it's definitely pitchers, <laughs> definitely pitchers. They're I'm telling you, they're a very interesting breed of uh, of people. Creatures. I mean, I, yeah. it 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 would go down to exactly you know if they're not at the field by a certain time down to the minute if they didn't have food at a certain time if their jerseys aren't in their locker that was one of the big ones for a couple of our pitchers like if they showed up and the jersey wasn't in the locker Uh oh oh they were they, their brains were fried at that point <laughs> oh my god i had no idea uh you went to new orleans last weekend this is the weekend to be going it's final four weekend now come on i know i actually uh we were down there for a wedding okay. uh, one of my teammates from uh, Lily Baseball, got married. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, yeah, and we were – I was with a guy who's a huge North Carolina fan. Oh. And uh, so he had mentioned he, – he said if they win, uh, Chris, me and you may go. So you got to get ready. So I, I don't know. I'm waiting on the call. Wait, wait on the call. It's the Dukies and the Heels, man. It doesn't get much better than that. National semifinals. Are you kidding me? Um, man, that's yeah. awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Maybe, maybe just that simple little thing of, of changing infield positions, putting in some new pictures. Uh, maybe this is the kickstart that this team needs. Um, we'll see. Time, baseball's a funny game, man. You just, you never know. But if they swing the bats like they, they did Saturday and Sunday, ain't nobody beating LSU. I'm just telling you. No, not at all. That the offense output will will cover up some of those other things, but it, it like you said, it is a very very funny and interestingly weird game. Uh, one little change can make all the difference. Chris, thank you so much, man. It's always a th- pleasure to have you on. We greatly appreciate it. And you're really good at this, so let's do it again, okay? Sounds good. All right, buddy. You take care. Chris Reed, former LSU baseball tiger. Again, LSU versus the Warhawks of ULM. 631st picks. You can listen to all of it right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I will take a time out here. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one and set the stage for our number two. Stay tight. We'll be right back. 
Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Speaking of the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, we want to give you a chance to score the ultimate crawfish boil brought to you by J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of live crawfish, a pot, a burner, ice chest, tumbler, chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, and tickets to an Astros game. Sign up today for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so you can score the ultimate crawfish boil from J&J Exterminating, Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Welcome back to the Jordy Helper Show here on this Tuesday, March 29th, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets if you can't shop right at shop right you just can't shop right at all a couple little lsu football tidbits lsu junior linebacker josh white announced that he will enter the ncaa transfer portal uh white was a former four-star recruit uh he participated in lsu's two spring practices six foot 220 pounds um i think he saw the writing on the wall white has four years of eligibility he missed the 2021 season with injuries now lsu has a deep core of linebackers um micah baskerville's returning as is mike jones sophomore greg penn the third six-year senior jared small They've also signed five-star freshman Harold Perkins, transfers Wes Weeks and Colby Fields. So it's a crowded room, and uh, Josh White said, nah, I think I'm going to take my helmet and go somewhere else, as did LSU long snapper Quentin Skinner, who entered the NCAA transfer portal yesterday. He was a two-year starter, didn't play in the Texas Bowl, and he wasn't listed on LSU's spring roster. Remember, LSU signed former East Carolina long snapper Slade Roy during the offseason. The number one long snapper prospect in the class of 2019 was Skinner. Uh, Skinner took over for former long snapper Blake Ferguson. He started 22 games over the past two seasons. He he must have been good because I never knew his name. And you never know a long snapper's name unless he snaps it long and in, incorrectly. And so I never never heard his name. So didn't know him. So good luck to uh, Quentin Skinner as he enters the, the transfer portal. The proverbial transfer portal. Speaking of the uh, transfer portal, um, LSU basketball got one. Um, and I'm trying to see if I can remember... Where it is. Uh, Yeah, Kendall Coleman. Let me tell you about Kendall Coleman. He came from um, Northwestern State University up there in in Natchitoches. And uh, he's a um, from Captain Shreve in uh, in Shreveport. I told his coach, I saw him as a freshman. I did one of their games in the Southland Conference. And this kid came off the bench and I went, man. And I told their coach, I said, man, you got yourself a superstar in the waiting. If this kid keeps working hard, he's going to be 
sensational. Well, the next year he comes out, he averaged 15 points and 10 rebounds a game for Northwestern. Uh, He was hearing from Baylor, Houston, Oklahoma, and Texas A&M and others since entering the portal. But Matt McMahon picked up his first LSU commitment. Kendall Coleman, a 6'8 forward. He's good. Now, playing at Northwestern State against the, the Southland Conference is one thing, but he's got size, he's got strength, he's explosive. I think it's a good good pickup. And as I said earlier, um, seven total Murray State players have entered the portal, including point guard Justice Hill, who played for Coach McMahon. Uh, he was a first-team All-Ohio Valley selection. He averaged 13 points, five assists, shot 36% uh, from three-point range. Um, I guarantee you, Coach Mack has already contacted him. He will be the next Xavier Pinson-like to transfer, become your point guard to start. And then we'll see what Eric Gaines and some other players do for LSU. But uh, it's going to be a long and winding road till we get this thing all resolved. Okay, hour number one is in the books. Hour number two straight ahead, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us, as will Christian Clark. Pels, Pels, Pels! They got a big win over the Lakers. Now they go out west. Can they maintain? We'll talk some hoops with Christian Clark when we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go. So glad you are with us here on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles in the Acadiana area. You're watching us as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. If you missed our number one, we talked about the final four. It's blue heaven in the Crescent City. Forget about purple and gold and green, the Mardi Gras colors. It's all blue. You got the Tar Heels of Carolina blue. You got the Duke Blue Devils. You got the Villanova Wildcats, also a team that wears blue, and Rock Chalk Kansas Jayhawks. So blue heaven in New Orleans as the semifinals begin on Saturday, the national championship game, and one shining moment on Monday night. We'll see who survives and advances and gets, and it just it just feels like it's a Coach K swan song. It just does. It does. We talked with Adam Spencer about that. Chris Reed joins us, joined us to talk a little bit about LSU basketball, uh, baseball, excuse me. But we're talking NBA hoops now as we begin hour number two and the Pelicans with a big moment. A big, big come from behind. They trailed by 20 at the half. LeBron James was going crazy for the Lakers. And the Pels, through um, sheer determination, willed their way back in it. And they ended up beating the Lakers. What a signature win it was. Christian Clark was there. He covers the Pels for NOLA.com. And he joins us now. Christian, how you feeling, buddy? How are you? 
Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I had my whole thing written on Sunday at halftime. I was like, <laughs> new LeBron is going to come out looking motivated yeah. after the Pelicans smoked them, yep. you know, a month ago on their home floor. Yep. You knew he was going to be fired up. I mean, he picked Herb Jones up like 60 feet from the hoop at yep. the start of that game. And I'm glad I had to delete it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't think the, I don't think the Lakers, I don't think anybody in the stands expected Trey Murphy to, put, to do what he did in that third period, period. No, I mean, it was shocking, to be honest with you. I mean, I think, I mean, we kind of saw some nice moments from Trey in summer league in the preseason, but, he, you know, he hasn't had a ton of them during the regular season. Um, you know, he's kind of been in and out of the rotation. He had a really nice game, um, you know, against the Rockets, but to do it, you know, against the Lakers yeah. and the Pelicans were down as much as they are in a, in a game with some stakes, you know. I mean, maybe you don't feel so great about the Pelicans playing tournament hopes if they don't get that game. Um, it was it was extremely shocking. I and mean, I think the biggest takeaway for me from that game was just the Pelicans had three rookies who played really important roles. You know, Trey Murphy, yeah. Jose Alvarado, and Herb Jones. Yeah. Those guys were all, you know, significant factors in the win. I think everybody thought Herb Jones would be the – I mean, uh, Trey Murphy would be the guy, but Herb Jones has been there all year long, and this – Jose Alvarado, thank goodness the Pels did the right thing and they locked him in to a four-year contract worth six and a half million. Good for that kid. He, I mean, he's just he, he's fun to watch. He, he's going to be the crowd favorite as long as he's there. Uh, he's just really a special, special kid, man. I, I love the way he plays. And one play in particular, I can't remember if it was against the Lakers or the Spurs, where he made a bucket and he hid around his teammates in the corner of the court and um, it was against Chicago, against Chicago. And then they threw the ball in bounds, and he went in there and caused the guard to travel with the ball. He's just, he's just one of those fun kids. Man, he's got a couple people with that move lately. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Um, he, you know, I asked him about it after uh, the road game in Atlanta when he did it, and he said he started doing it in AAU. He played for the New York Rens, which is you know one of the, the elite mm-hmm. AAU programs in New York City. And he just kind of started getting it people, getting people with it at that time. And hey, man, he's in the NBA now. NBA now, and it's still working. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm five foot eight, and you know I stood right next to him at practice today. And I mean, he doesn't look that much taller than me. You know, yeah. I mean, it's he's not. Uh, I don't think he's six foot, which he's listed at. <laughs> Jeez. Christian Clark, NOLA.com, joining us. All right, so the Pels are currently in the ninth spot. They are a half a game ahead of the Lakers. They're just one game. I'm, we don't play the Spurs anymore, do we? I'm tired of them. They, we can't beat them. Yeah, they, they're they tough, man. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Pelicans, you know, had a chance to all but clinch the head-to-head tiebreaker. They didn't. So the Spurs on the head-to-head tiebreaker there, but – you know, the, the good news with that win over the Lakers on Sunday is that the Pelicans sewed up the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Lakers. Right. So that was pretty, pretty significant. And if the season was over today, they would also get, you know, in all likelihood, get their top 10 pick. The Anthony Davis trade. Yeah, the Anthony Davis trade that keeps on giving and giving and giving. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, now we go on the road, and um, we've got uh, – Let's see. We got the Trailblazers in Portland tomorrow, then the rematch with the Lakers on Friday. I got to believe that that Anthony Davis is going to suit up and play in that game. I would I got to believe that. And then you got the Clippers and the Kings. What's realistic out of those four games? 
Oh man, I, I think three of four is yeah. is pretty realistic, and I think that's what their goal is going into this trip. I mean, the Trailblazers like they're they've got nobody on the court right now. Yeah. Like they they clearly don't want to win. I mean, if you're if you're serious about like making the play, and you just you just have to win that game tomorrow. Right. I mean, especially with, with CJ Brandon Ingram and Jonas Valanciunas all healthy at the same time now again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Lakers I think is going to be a really interesting game. I mean, is LeBron like gonna play? I mean, he's. I think he was doubtful uh, for their for their most recent upcoming game after turning his ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, uh, I think the Kings is very gettable. So yeah, I think three should be the goal. And like, I mean, I could see them just getting all four, maybe. Uh, but I, I, they're they're a pretty good team when CJ, Bi, and JV are all healthy. Yeah. I mean, they're five and one after the All Star break with. Ingram in the lineup, and the only one they lost was to the Denver Nuggets in overtime when Nicole Jokic, the guy who's probably going to win MVP this year, just couldn't miss a shot. Yeah, um, yeah, he was spectacular. Um, Christian Clark, NOLA.com. Uh, the Pels, let's see, they've got uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven regular season games left. Um, how much have you seen Willie Green mature in his first year as a head coach? from start to where he is now? Oh man. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if mature is the right word, okay. but like, because they, like to me, he's kind of always just seemed like the same guy. And I mean that in a very good yes. way. Yes. Um, but like, I think the thing that has impressed me the most is that, I mean, it was a very difficult circumstance that he walked into mm-hmm. because of, you know, the Zion stuff. Like, you know, there was, I think, um, front office in Zionist camp that maybe that wasn't the best relationship at the beginning of the season. I do think it's got better. They just clearly weren't on the same page. And I think that kind of rattled the team early on. And, and Willie just, I think was a calming presence. Um, you know, he didn't panic. And a lot of the players have said like, Hey, that's a lot of head coaches. Like the season just goes off the rails. And after that one and 12, three and 16 start, like that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're just playing for ping pong balls right. and, uh, it, that hasn't been the case. Like I think, just just staying calm um, and continuing to give some of these young guys confidence has been pretty significant. And, and we should also say too that uh, you know being nine games under five hundred doesn't get you into the play in a lot of years. So I That's think right. a weaker than usual West has yeah. helped a little bit. You're so. right, Christian Clark. Kind enough to uh, to join us here. Um, what is the latest on Zion? He comes up with that video of him dunking the basketball, and all of a sudden. Uh, you see him practicing one-on-one against one of the uh, uh, developmental coaches who used to play in the league. Now, is what? what's the latest with Zion? I know today's a travel day, but I'm sure they got to practice in before they traveled. So what did you see? Yeah, it is. it has been uh, quite the saga, man. I mean, what, when Zion dropped that video, <laughs> you know, I, I reported basically that Zion had – told some people around him, like, hey, look, the foot feels pretty good. I want to get back on the floor this season. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the team continues to exercise caution. Um, You know, Zion has only been able to do one-on-one up to this point. Um, You know, I think they are encouraged by what they've seen since he came back from Portland in these few weeks here. But everything I'm hearing is just, uh, it would be pretty surprising if we saw Zion again this season. I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. they haven't ruled him out, but I would be 
I would be surprised if we saw him uh, play this season. It'd be so hard to get him back into the flow of things with the chemistry and everybody starting to finally get their roles down, and, and that would be that would change. That would change so much. Sure, would be fun to watch. Uh, but you know, game shape is one. Th- I mean, one on one is one thing. Game shape up and down the court. Uh, and, and does he know the system? I mean, he's never played for Willie Green. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I I don't know how many people are, like, aware of this, but, like, he's literally not gone through one full practice under Willie Green. I mean, Green got the job in July. Like, he has not gone through one single practice. I mean, he's, he was gearing up towards that, and he was about to do that in December. But, you know, unfortunately, he began experiencing some, experiencing some soreness in his mm-hmm. right foot then, and, mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of been working his way back ever since then. So that definitely complicates it. I mean, if it was up to me, I mean, and like, let's just hypothetically say he does get medically cleared. Right. I don't know if I would bring him back for the regular season or the play-in just because it's like, what are you going to disrupt this right. um, at this point? But right. if, if somehow, you know, they get out of the play-in and they get a, like, they'd probably play the Suns in the first round, right? I don't know if he's medically cleared. Like I would think about playing him then because it's like, what do you have to lose? You know, like you're 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 not going to win that series anyway. Um, no, no disrespect to guys on the mm-hmm. roster, but like the Suns are a juggernaut. So yeah. if you get to that point, I don't know. To me, it's like maybe think about it. But that's okay. that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> um, who are you more fearful? There's three teams all separated by a game. Um, the Pelicans, as I said, with a half a game lead over the Lakers, who were in the tenth spot, and the Spurs—they lead the Spurs by a half game. So one game separating three uh, of the Lakers and the Spurs. Who fears you? Who are you more concerned about? Maybe taking the place of the Pelicans. Um, I, I think the Spurs. Um, you know, I mean, like LeBron. I think that ankle turn was was fairly significant and Anthony Davis. I mean, we just know he has not been the most durable guy. You know, he's still coming back from a pretty significant injury. And if you finish with identical records, the Pelicans are going to finish ahead of them in the standings because they open the head to head tiebreaker. So the Spurs do worry, worry me a little bit more, but man, if you were in that plane against the Lakers and you know, like you, you just had to go against LeBron and AD, even if they weren't a hundred percent healthy, that, that doesn't sound very fun either. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound fun at all. Spurs have won four in a row. Oh, I don't know how Pop does it. I mean, people that don't really follow the league, they couldn't name one player on the Spurs team correctly. Uh, they just couldn't. Uh, but somehow they... Deontay Murray's an all-star this year. Who? <laughs> Who? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, we shall see. Uh, all right, big one tomorrow. Got to beat Portland, who's lost four in a row. They're certainly tanking, um, and you got to uh, win that one. So we'll see. And let's pull for the Mavericks tonight because they're taking on the uh, the Lakers in Dallas. So come on, Luca, do your thing, big fella. And Christian Clark, keep up the great work, man. It's a long season, but you're, you're still hanging in there, man. You're doing a great job. I greatly appreciate your time. Yeah, of course, Jordy. Anytime. All right, buddy. You take care. Christian Clark, NOLA.com. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores and the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan the. Stallion, not just the stallion, the stallion.
Uh, just to name a few. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to the 22nd in Gulf Shores. Win VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Saints got a new backup quarterback. They took a former quarterback and moving him to tight end. We'll get all the latest lowdown of the NFL and the New Orleans Saints. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Next. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 29, 1998. The Tennessee women's basketball team wins its third straight national title by defeating Louisiana Tech 93-75. The victory completes an undefeated 39-0 season for the Volunteers. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back. Um, phenomenal stat. Phenomenal stat. The Yukon Huskies last night beat North Carolina State in the Elite Eight of the Women's College Basketball Tournament, marking the 14th straight season that Gino Ariema has gotten his team to the Final Four. 14 straight Final Fours. That is that is beyond belief. That is beyond description. That is just no one. I, I know they say never say never. Never. No one will ever do that. All right, it's Tuesday. You know what time it is. Let's do it, James. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I mean, Bob, uh, Sean Payton was really good, but he didn't get to 14 straight NFC, you know, final crazy how are you my man how you doing uh jordy i'm good i hope you are as well and yeah 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 kudos and all uh, mad respect to coach gino uh i i've looked up to coach shashevsky all my life yeah uh, and, you know as an athlete and then later on as a coach and he's done some wonderful things uh but yeah you're right i mean no i i don't see anybody doing what coach gino has ever that's crazy uh, it, it, has accomplished ever in any sport doesn't it just seem you mentioned coach k that just doesn't it seem like it's it's in the cards i mean the the ultimate ending to arguably one of if not the best college basketball coach ever to go out in style in new orleans and cut down the nets and one shiny doesn't just feel that way yeah, it sure does. And, uh, you know, I, I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. I had three of the four final four teams in my poll. Uh, and, you know, coming into the tournament, I had that same feeling that, uh, you know, that, that you just said. So who's the uh, – It just felt who, like Coach K's year. And I had Duke – I have Duke winning it over Kansas, uh, you know, two blue bloods. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, again, what other way to go out than to face North Carolina, his arch rival – uh, and uh, in a final four in his last final four in well, New Orleans. You got to tell me who did you who was the fourth team that you missed out on? Uh, Purdue. Okay. Purdue. It felt like a little bit of a reach at the time. I mean, I felt like that region was wide open, uh, and I knew North Carolina was playing some darn good basketball coming into the tournament. Uh, I just and I had them, I think, going out in the Sweet Sixteen. Okay. Uh, I just didn't see an eight seed going to the final four, so. 
uh, you know, uh, respect to what the, the Tar Heels have accomplished this year as well. Okay, Bob. Uh, once again, I will not be fully appreciated until my time has come and gone. The New Orleans Saints obviously listening to the Black and Gold Report on Tuesdays because they have now come out and verbalized that Taysom Hill is going to um, focus on one position this year, and that position is the tight end position, which we've been saying forever and a day. Just makes sense. I'm thrilled. What do you think? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think the Saints should reach out and give you know give credit to you for making that call, uh, and I want my own credit for uh, you know for making the call uh, you know to reach out to Andy Dalton as a backup quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I think we'll still see Taysom Hill uh, in some backfield packages right. as a runner, probably a more traditional runner. But I think that this is the best move for Hill's career. Uh, you know, and longevity. I mean, let's face reality. He is not an NFL caliber quarterback. Right. Uh, you know, I, he did pretty well. He surprised a lot of us with his one loss record and his poise in the pocket. But you want his athletic ability on the field in different avenues. Uh, you know, and, you know, Saints fans, I don't, you know, Taysom comes in at about 220, 225 pounds. Uh, I don't expect him to be bulking up to 250 or 260. Please uh, don't. Because that you know, would rob him of some of his trademark speed and athleticism. Okay. Uh, you know, expect him to add a little bit more muscle. Uh, you know, he's going to be what they call a move tight end. Uh, or, you know, to date myself a little bit, one of the old H-back roles. Right. Uh, he's not going to come off of the line uh, as an extra tackle, so to speak. Uh, they're going to move him around, get him in motion, run him out of the slot. Uh, you know, bring him into his pass patterns off the line of scrimmage when he does line up outside of the backfield. So, you know, I, I'm going to be very interested to see Taysom expand on his repertoire. Uh, you know, we saw some very raw skill, uh, skills as a receiver mm-hmm. uh, in, in 2019 when he put up some nice stats for a part-time player. So I think this is a great move for Taysom. And I think the Saints are saying, look, we're paying this guy all this money. Yeah. Um, we got to get some bang for our buck, and he's a great athlete. I don't want to see him gain too much. Because his speed factor and his ability to make people miss, I, I like it. But I, I like the move. We'll see how it uh, develops. He's got to be better than Troutman. Please, he's got to be better. You and I could suit up and be better than Troutman. Well, you could. Uh, you I, could. I, I, not me. Yeah, you could. Uh, you know, and, and listen, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, Taysom's athleticism is dynamic. There's no question about it. And to get that kind of athleticism in open space, uh, you know, they're going to have to design routes for him early on until he gets the feel for the position. Right. Uh, but I think he's going to do some nice things. People underestimate what a student of the game Taysom Hill is. He had to be. Had to. Uh, you know, to get onto the field in so many different venues and so many different uh, you know, aspects. Uh, you know, he had to know the positions inside and out. So you better believe that Taysom is going to work his butt off yeah. to learn the tight end spot. I mean, he, had, he had to be in the quarterback room. He had to be in the running back room. He had to be in the wide receiver room. He had to be in the special teams room. I mean, he, he, this guy's, I mean, he's getting flooded with information that he all had, he had to consume, learn, and be able to execute on any given Sunday. So I'm with you. Okay, Bob Rose. So we take a quarterback and we move him to a tight end position. We get a quarterback to come in as the backup to Jameis Winston. You talked about Andy Dalton before, obviously. Um, why is this a good move? Six million, of which three million are guaranteed. 
Uh, well, you know, first of all, you're bringing in an, a very experienced backup uh, you know, to Jameis Winston. Yep. And make no mistake about it, Andy Dalton is not coming in to challenge Jameis Winston. Right. Andy Dalton is coming in to back up Jameis. Uh, you know, if Winston gets nicked up or, God forbid, you know, goes down with another lengthy injury like we saw last year. Uh, and my question to Saints fans is this. Who would you rather have step in? Andy Dalton, Blake Bortles, or Ian Book? And, that, you know, those are pretty much your options yep. at this point. And that's what, you know, that, that's what Dennis Allen and the Saints viewed it as. Uh, you know, Dalton, you know, people forget early in his career, he took the Bengals to the playoffs for five straight years at a 50 and 26 record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in recent years, he's been the quarterback on some very bad teams. Uh, but I think he's, an, I, in fact, I know he's an accurate passer that can dissect and break down defenses very, very well if given protection up front. So, you know, obviously we don't want him on the field. We right. want our, you know, we want Jameis Winston. Uh, you know, the number one quarterback to be in there as much as possible, hopefully every snap. But if he happens to knock on wood, go down, uh, I feel pretty confident in the experience uh, you know, and the leadership of Andy Dalton to come in and run this offense, certainly better than Trevor Simeon did last year. Ah, bros, Saints News Network. All right, Saints need wide receiver help. We talked about it, and they solved their pro- – well, no, they didn't. They just re-signed Traquan Smith. So um, please tell me. Please tell me that's not the answer. Please tell me they're going after somebody who can really play. No, Traquan Smith is absolutely not the answer. And I do believe that uh, you know, Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael feel that way too. Uh, you know, Traquan is a safe signing. Uh, it gives you, it keeps you a warm body at the position. Uh, you know, it's a player that knows your system. If he had to come in and play, they love Traquan's blocking ability. He's well liked in that locker room. Uh, and, and again, yeah, the the experience that he has in the Saints system is invaluable, uh, and certainly gives him a step above, a significant step above any other free agent. Uh, you know, save for perhaps Emmanuel Sanders that they could bring in off the street. As you know, I have never thought that the Saints would address the wide receiver spot with a high-profile free agent. I always felt that I, like they were going to target this position with a high draft pick. Okay. Hopefully first round, but even if not, you could still get some value in a second or third round pick. And I think that that's what the Saints had their eye on all along. Okay. Quan Smith is just to fill out the depth term. Listen, I don't like him as a player either. Uh, you know, no disrespect intended. I didn't like him. Uh, from the moment his name was announced in the 2018 draft, right. but I understand why they did it, and there, you know, it does keep some continuity in the receiving room. Okay, um, still need an offensive uh, tackle, and or or at least a backup along those lines. So, uh, so we'll see. Uh, do you think the Saints are done in free agency, or do you think they're still dabbling? They're going to dabble because that's what they do. Uh, you know, and especially at this stage of free agency. Uh, you know, very, very rarely, and especially over the last five or six years, we just simply do not see the New Orleans Saints get involved in the early portion, the first week, yeah. week and a half. Of That's the true. That's There's true. Too much ridiculous money being thrown around, and they have hit it very big with some, you know, week two, week three free agent signings. Demario Davis comes to mind, but right. they hit a, you know, right. hit nice on a couple of other ones. Right. <clears throat> There's still some very good running backs out there on the market. Uh, I have my eye on Marlon Mack and Melvin Gordon, but there's other names out there that could come in uh, and not only get, uh, spell Alvin Kamara for some key snaps uh, and take some onus uh, off of Mark Ingram, but step in as a capable starter if, knock on wood, 
Camara uh, you know, gets suspended for a lengthy period, right. Uh, right. and it's another story, uh, you know, as you know. Uh, I do think they're done at the receiver spot, but it wouldn't surprise me if they uh, if they brought in a defensive tackle or two, uh, you know, che- either cheaply before the draft uh, or even. And this is the stage we're at now with Saints free agency. Uh, whatever they don't get in the draft or whatever they still feel they need help with after the draft, that's when you're going to see them, uh, you know, explore some players that will still be out there too. Uh, but, yeah, my prediction is that they're going to bring in at least one experienced running back before the draft. Before the draft. All right, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We'll take a quick time out here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. When we come back, uh, new requirements as the Rooney rule has been adjusted. And for those that didn't like the way overtime was handled, well, there's been a change in that. Not for the whole year, but there's been a change to that. I'll let Bob Rose describe both of those when we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show. All right, welcome back at 30, well, 36 minutes after the hour, give or take a minute or two. Um, no, 36 minutes after the hour, we continue our conversation with um, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Bob, to ensure more opportunities for diverse candidates, the NFL has added requirements on the hiring of offensive assistant coaches and women in general. Beginning this season, all 32 clubs must employ a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority to serve as an offensive assistant coach. That person will receive a one-year contract and work closely with the head coach and offensive staff to gain experience. First, your your thoughts on this um, adjustment to the Rooney Rule. I love it. Uh, yeah, because the the league now left zero room for teams to wiggle. Uh, you know, the, the continued requirements of, you know, in, interviewing uh, you know, at least two minority candidates for coaching positions will continue. Uh, and, you know, like you said, they've expanded, you know, the, the minority candidate uh, classification to include women, uh, which I certainly love. Uh, but I, I, I really admire the league for finally stepping in and putting it out in no uncertain terms. Look, NFL teams, all 32 of you, you will, you are going to hire at least one minority candidate. Uh, I would like to see that eventually expanded to both the offensive and the defensive side. Uh, and, you know, and I say again, and I know you, I know that you fully agree with me and we've discussed it before. It's a shame that the world has to be this way. Uh, you know, where a governing body has to force its mm-hmm. hand like this, uh, because in a perfect world, it shouldn't matter what your sexuality is. Uh, it shouldn't matter what your gender is. It shouldn't matter what your ethnic background is. If you're qualified, you should get the job. Right. But unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Uh, and I love the NFL for taking. Uh, you know, and you know, I don't, I, I don't hold the league office in high regard. Right. But I certainly love the NFL for pulling off this move. Can Congrats I ask the that. obvious question? Of course. Why did they pick offense? What what is it about offense? Why didn't they pick defense? Why didn't they say just just one on either side of the ball? Why offense? I really don't know. Uh, I was surprised at that myself. Uh, you know, I, I would. You know, and you know, we we had heard, as you know, uh, you know, rumblings of this coming down. Uh, you know, for the last couple of months, uh, and especially in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't expect it to be specifically on the offensive side. I just thought it was going to be in general terminology. Uh, but that's what makes me believe uh, that if they're picking one side of the ball now, uh, they're going to wait to see how that you know, it, 
uh, how that transpires and how that affects coaching staffs. And I believe that eventually it's going to be on both offensive and defensive sides of the ball. All right. Speaking of new rules changes, the NFL owners approved a modified proposal for overtime today that will guarantee each team a possession, but only in the postseason. This is, of course, stemming from the Kansas City Chiefs who beat the Bills, Buffalo Bills, in overtime during the divisional playoff round with an opening possession touchdown. So the Colts and the Eagles both proposed a mandatory possession for both teams in all games, regular season and in the playoffs. But competition committee chairman Rich McKay said there wasn't enough support among owners to pass the rule unless it was amended to postseason only. So what were the owners complaining about with that? Why just the postseason? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, other than you know, the postseason is the grandest stage of the, uh, of the grandest sport. Uh, and that's where the majority of the complaints are. Uh, you know, you know, the, the average fan doesn't really think about their team or a team losing an, uh, a regular season contest in overtime. Uh, you know, even though, obviously, as you know, if you dig a little bit deeper into the sport, every game matters a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so a, a loss like that during the regular season could, in reality, of course, cost your team a playoff berth. But the playoffs are the grandest stage of them all. So that's where they want to try it out. Uh, I do believe wholeheartedly, as much as and I'll, I'll bite my tongue about the rule amendment itself, uh, I do believe that uh, in a short period of time uh, that we're going to see it implemented to the regular right. season. Uh, and you know, remember when they first altered the overtime rule from standard sudden death to begin with uh, after the Saints defeated the Vikings in 2000, the 2010 championship game, they tried it out in the playoffs first. And it was almost two. I think it was two seasons before they uh, expanded it to cover the regular. That's true. Season. That's true. And that part is not surprising to me at all. For those, um, if the uh, both teams get possession and that overtime period ends in a tie, then they go to the sudden death. So um, that's that's how that's going to uh, to work. So uh, they're trying. Uh, and give them credit for that. At least they are trying. Are you of the belief, Bob, as we go around the league, that Green Bay's worse now than they were and that um, that Aaron Rodgers just was in for a money grab because they're losing receivers left and right? Who needs receivers more? The Saints or the Packers? I say the Packers. It might be the Packers at this point because at least the Saints are going to have Mr. Thomas back in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, and they already have uh, – uh, Deontay Hardy and Marquez Calloway, uh, you know, the, the Packers took a big, big blow. Uh, and, you know, you know, I'm not a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Right. Everybody that knows me knows I'm not a fan of Aaron right. Rodgers. So I'm not going to go as far as to say it's strictly a money grab. But I certainly agree with you that the Green Bay Packers are significantly worse, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I believe they lost one of their starting linemen. Uh, in fact, I know they lost one of their starting linemen in free agency as well. Uh, in addition to their offensive coordinator. So, yeah, the Packers have a whole lot of questions to answer. Uh, now they have some extra draft picks that they picked up uh, in, in the Devontae trade, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, they would be foolhardy to not take at least one wide receiver very high. Uh, and a lot of mock drafts, they have them with both their first-round picks. Uh, they have them taking two wide receivers. Uh, I, we've seen stranger things, uh, and I think it's hilarious you know, then Aaron Rodgers for the last two or three seasons has whined and cried that Green Bay didn't give me enough weapons. The Packers haven't given me enough weapons. How can I succeed? Uh, you know, he signs that big contract 
and then they turn around you know, less than a week later and deal away uh, you know, one of the NFL's most productive wide receivers and his favorite weapon. So, yeah, I'd be very interested to see what transpires in Green Bay. Uh, yeah, but you you better believe that they're going to bulk up that receiving core. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Doesn't Tom Brady need to return his uh, retirement gifts to Peyton Manning? I mean, that's, that's the honorable thing to do, right? Yeah, it would be. Uh, if Tom Brady uh, – never mind. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll stop there. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Brady, yeah, whether Tom retires this year or thir- 30 years from now, uh, you know, when, whenever his deal with the almighty above, you know, it runs out, uh, he's, he's going to receive a grand exit. Uh, I would think that, you know, the, the retirement gifts, uh, you know, that, that Tom received on his way out the door, uh, you know, the, those same people won't gift him again. Um, uh, and you know, from one of the most decorated players in NFL history, whether it happens while he's still playing uh, on his way out the door or after he finally does retire, he does deserve the accolades, uh, you know, the respect, the gifts, you know, everything like that that he receives. So, I mean, it, it's fun to poke at Tom Brady, uh, you know, but you know, he, he, he deserves what's coming to him. Speaking of quarterbacks, those Jimmy Garoppolo still hanging around the San Francisco 49ers. Um, John Lynch said, I doesn't envision a scenario in which Garoppolo will be released. He said that he'll either be playing for us or will be playing for someone else. What do you think they're asking for him? And who, where do you think he ends up going for next season? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, as we know, you know, Seattle is the only team that you can point to definitively yeah. and say, yeah, they need a quarterback right now. Uh, but there's no way that San Francisco trades Garoppolo to you know, their biggest rival in a, a team within their division. Good point. Uh, you know, Carolina, I think, is another strong possibility. Carolina has been you know, rumored and linked to seemingly every big-name quarterback that's become available uh, in the last year and a half. And while Garoppolo is certainly not on those levels, uh, you know, he is pro- a proven playoff Super Bowl uh, caliber starter that would certainly be an upgrade over Sam Darnold, uh, you know, who, who is in Carolina now. I think ultimately Garoppolo ends up in Carolina, uh, hmm. but don't be surprised if it's a draft day trade or something shortly after the draft. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the 49ers were allegedly reportedly asking for at least one first round pick last year coming into the offseason. We were hearing that they were wanting two second round picks or two day two picks. Uh, I got to believe that that price has come down even a little bit more. Uh, you know, and you know, San Francisco Brass is saying, as you pointed out, that we're not going to outright release Garoppolo. And I don't blame them. Uh, you know, they could still get something for him. It's just everybody is now playing the long waiting game. Right. I think John Lynch, by coming out and saying, look, we will not release Garoppolo. That is going to force some teams, Carolina or whomever else. Uh, it's going to force some of them to step up to the plate uh, and saying, OK, we can't really wait till this guy's released. We're going to have to make a deal now. And I'll be honest with you, Jordy, it wouldn't even surprise me if this went into training camp or perhaps even early into the regular season uh, before Garoppolo is out of San Francisco. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. Hey, uh, Tom Brady came back. Can't, can't the Saints convince Andrew Whitworth to, I mean, he played at LSU, can he come back for one more year and play a little left tackle? Come on. Come on, Whit. Hey, I, I, I wouldn't sneeze at it. Uh, you know, Whitworth showed that he could still play at a very yes. high level. 
Bernie Rams last year. Yes. Uh, you know, like you said, he's coming home. I'm not one of those advocates. Uh, you know, they're saying, you know, the Saints need to bring in every LSU player that's ever lived. But, man, Andrew Whitworth <laughs> would, be, uh, you know, would be a great addition uh, to that offensive line. Just get one LSU Tiger on the team. Come on. Just one. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell you the team that I'm bullish on. I'm going to give you my early Super Bowl champion right now. And then if you want to play the game with me, it, you know, we won't hold it against you. I am bullish on the Buffalo Bills. I just think their quarterback, they get Von Miller so close. They got hosed in the playoff game, I know. But um, I like the Buffalo Bills. That's the team I am bullish on to win the Super Bowl next year. Give me your early, way too early pick. Hey, Buffalo's tough to disagree on, uh, you know, partner. Uh, I don't want to duplicate your prediction, so uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll sit here and stew on it. Okay. Uh, you know, for one second. All right. Uh, yeah, I tell you, it's tough that to, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. Uh, I know they have some holes to replace, uh, but that yeah, you know, that that offense. Uh, you know, expect them to heavily address the offensive line. They still have some talented defensive parts. Uh, you know, the the Bengals have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth after being Super Bowl runner ups. And coming oh so close. Uh, I don't disagree with you about Buffalo, my friend. I think they're you know, they're right at the top of the heap. Uh, but I'm not ready to overlook the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm going to go into you know, the early part of this offseason, you know, uh, mid part of this offseason, uh, and I'm going to stay on the Cincinnati Bengals as my bullish team uh, as of as of the end of March. All right, well, that's that's more than fair. Uh, speaking about the Bills. Um... The owners unanimously approved the Bills' proposal for a new stadium in Orchard Park, New York, and the Bills on the same day officially reached an agreement with the state and Erie County on a new $1.4 billion stadium. Please tell me that in Buffalo it has a retractable roof. Please tell me it does. We're going to see a lot of outdoor games uh, in in Buffalo. All I know is that it's not a dome, and there were several players that kind of blasted the you know, the, the city of Buffalo or the Bills organization uh, and saying, why wouldn't you put a dome in Buffalo? <clears throat> I understand where players are coming from. Uh, you know, playing in climate control would certainly appeal to me. Uh, you know, but as a fan and as an old school thinker, we are still going to – I'm happy to I hear inform you, you uh, that we're still going to see a lot of outdoor games in December uh, yeah. and January. Up in uh, up in Western New York, and the one thing the NFL gets right—I mean, this play, thing is going to hold sixty to sixty-two thousand seats. College stadiums are over a hundred thousand. The NFL, I think, gets it right. Less is best, I believe. Yeah, they do. The only thing that I don't like about the uh, these, these newer age stadiums, uh, and really we've seen it in vogue since about two thousand five. Uh, is the number of luxury boxes. Yeah. I understand why owners and NFL teams are doing it because it brings in a whole lot more money. Uh, yeah, but the, the days of the old Mile High Stadium, uh, old Three Rivers Stadium, mm-hmm. and even the Superdome, and I consider the Superdome the loudest venue in the NFL uh, you know, when their team is playing well. Even the, the the decibel level in the Superdome isn't what it once was with the addition of the luxury boxes. I like the I fans... You. Uh, you know, just the regular average fans, uh, you know, just being able to interact, uh, you know, as opposed to six, is sitting behind your luxury box. But, yeah, outside of that, I'd agree with you. Uh, you know, owners in the league, the NFL as a whole has it right as far as the whole in-game experience. 
and uh, and the fan experience. Bob, I can't thank you enough. I'm glad they listened. Taysom Hill, a tight end. Andy Dalton at quarterback. Job well done, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Definitely so. You take care. We will talk soon. All right. Thank you. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You got to join the Clubhouse Rewards Club. You got to. It's free. You won't get spammed, and you have the opportunity to win free gifts, tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. You can only win that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or that $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. A birthday wish as we wrap things up here, the Jordan Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. And we welcome you back. Finishing touches to this uh, Tuesday edition. If March 29th is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with uh, one of the better backcourt scorers in LSU basketball history, Ronnie Henderson from Gulfport, Mississippi. Um, really good player, really good guy. So happy birthday, Ronnie. Special thanks to all of our guests today. Adam Spencer, Chris Reed, talking LSU baseball, and Bob Rose. Don't forget, LSU baseball tonight on 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, 631st pitch against the ULM Warhawks. All right, that's going to wrap things up. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Come on back tomorrow. Same time, two to four, same great stations. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you possibly can to stay healthy, my friends. And by all means, let's be happy. Talk to you tomorrow. So long, everybody.